Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Good morning. It is Thursday, September 17th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Whew, what a day we had on Wednesday in college football. Oh my goodness. Woke up to the news that the Big Ten finally had a plan put in place uh, with, with a start date of the weekend of October 25th with what we thought at first was an eight-game schedule, in, uh, not including the conference championship game, which then was revealed to be an eight-plus-one schedule where you're going to play your eight games, and then the weekend of the conference championship game, everyone else is still going to play as well. So it's really an eight-plus-one, nine-game schedule. That's pretty cool. Uh, also saw that the Big Ten is maybe floating out having some Monday night football games. Sign me up for that. And so today's podcast is going to focus on the Big Ten, and and really it's going to focus on the community reaction to the Big Ten coming back in, in places like Lincoln, Nebraska, and Ann Arbor, Michigan, and, and Happy Valley. So I'm excited for that, and you're going to get to hear a fun whip around from our network of 24-7 sports podcast hosts. Before I get to that, though, probably should mention that the Pac-12, where we thought dead in the water, Pac-12, no, no way they're going to come back. They don't have enough institutional pressure to come back. They have uh, government ordinances that say they can't congregate and practice. They've got wildfires ravaging the West Coast that probably won't subside for you know a few more weeks, and, and the air quality is horrible. Well, it looks like now that the Pac-12 wants to come back by late October, and maybe even as early as that weekend of October 24th and, and time things up with the Big Ten in hopes of also getting back in the playoff hunt and a few hurdles it looks like they were cleared right so the big thing was that the California and Oregon governors and Oregon has two teams in the Pac-12 California has four uh, they needed to clear the way for contact practice um, and Larry Scott the commissioner of the Pac-12 released a statement saying he welcomed them to do so sort of getting the the, the ball rolling that that could happen and it does look like Oregon Governor Kate Brown and California Governor Gavin Newsom have granted exemptions for the, the schools in the Pac-12 to get back to practicing once the Pac-12 announces its return to play date. And then further, uh, some programs needed clearance from the local level as well. That would be the schools in Los Angeles, USC, and UCLA. And according to John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News late Wednesday night, USC and UCLA, their athletic directors spoke to the Los Angeles County health officials and were also encouraged that they would be able to practice once the Pac-12 schedules a return to play. And of course, the Pac-12 was the first of the major of the Power Five conferences to get that daily antigen testing deal done. They will have that once they begin play. And it looks like this might not even stop at the Pac-12. Uh, Brett McMurphy reported that the Mountain West wants to get back in. So we might have nine of the 10 conferences in, in FBS ranks. So we'll be waiting on the MAC, uh, who, who is the first to go in the FBS. But we, we have nine of the 10 FBS conferences playing by Halloween. So that's, that's pretty crazy. So I'll let you marinate on that. And in, in the meantime, we'll celebrate with the Big Ten fans. We'll celebrate... With our Big Ten podcast, we're going to start 
with the Nebraska 24-7 podcast because Nebraska really was the squeakiest wheel out of all of this. And let's hear what they had to say. It's good news, right? This was a good Wednesday for most Husker fans. Um, We're going to play football, it seems, apparently, seemingly. The Huskers are going to start playing football with the rest of the Big Ten the weekend of October 24th, which is about, what, 38 days away. Yes. Um, did you see this coming, Brunts? Did you think this was going to happen? Were you, uh, had you accepted that we were going to have to wait till January? What are you thinking right now? Well, I think, well, the last couple of days we knew this was happening. There was a, once the, the Big Ten was able to get the rapid testing, um, it, it seemed like things dramatically shifted towards uh, the, the football direction, which was good to see. Um, a couple weeks ago, I, I don't know that I would have necessarily said that. It seemed like everybody was kind of willing to dig in and, you know, kind of wait till November or, you know, you had the January thing out there, which never really made a ton of sense to me or heck even later than that. But, you know, the, I think we discussed this, that, that the surprising thing about when they postponed was you just wanted the conference to try, like just try. And that's what they're doing now. I mean, you, you've got the, this testing in place, which we can get into. They've got very specific thresholds for when they will play and won't play. Uh, we don't have a schedule yet, but at least today, um, you know, for the first time in a long time with uh, the Big Ten Conference, it seems like there's actually some good news to report, which is uh, Mm. welcome, very welcome. I think as recently as a week ago, I was resigned to the fact we weren't playing till at least Thanksgiving. But the more I thought about it, and I bet the Big Ten people thought about it, there was no way out of what a ugly, what a terrible box they had put themselves in PR-wise, if you're starting a season at the end of November while the ACC, Big 12, SEC are figuring out who's in the playoff, or if you start in January while the same thing is going on, and you would have had everybody asking, especially in Columbus, Ohio, you know, why, why couldn't we, uh, with the testing improving, you know, maybe started this five weeks earlier and been a part of this conversation, you know, instead of playing JV football, as Bill Moose once put it. And he's probably right in that description of how it would have been. Uh, so I, I, that had to weigh on them. I think just the optics of you're watching your television and Major League Baseball is working toward the playoffs. The NFL is starting up. You see Big 12 games on your set this weekend. And we don't know how this is all going to work out. But you're sitting on your couch, and that's a bad place to be, uh, not just for the current times, but – really for the big picture for your teams in your conference. And I have to think um, just looking around and seeing everybody else going forward while you're kind of standing in place uh, really was as big a slice of this as the testing improvements, honestly. Yeah, it's – yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking that when I was sitting there watching Coastal Carolina and Kansas play um, – oh at like midnight in front of nobody in Lawrence, Kansas. Like, Did, wait a second. Did you think to yourself, like in Seinfeld, what am I doing? What am I, <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? Never, never once did I, did I think that I, I was bought in. I was really pissed whenever, uh, there, there was a, a, another broadcast that cut into the start of that game and forced it to FS2. 
I was, <laughs> I was, I was livid. And, mm. but I mean, I, I think that was as much of a kind of eye opener as, as any, you're right. Like you've got Iowa state playing Arkansas state in front of an empty stadium in Ames, Iowa. I mean, why couldn't the big 10 at least try? Like that's, that's what I keep going back to. And what I've been saying since August is you didn't even give it a go. And I I think that's, that, that's what was difficult for the big 10 to really explain in August is, is why, why are you not even trying? Like, why are you not even letting this play out? You know, you, you released the schedule, you built in some time to to push things back if you needed to. I mean, who knows what the SEC is going to look like when they get going, but you know, if if Kansas can play a lousy Coastal Carolina team in front of an empty stadium, why can't Nebraska try to? And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just I, I think I think you're right. I mean, I, I think when you are you had the medical piece of it kind of coming into play too. But when when you're what you would probably call your little brothers out there playing too, it's kind of hard to sit there on the couch uh, waiting for the the Chanticleers to. Uh, you know, roll, roll through Lawrence. Yeah. Which they did, by the way. <laughs> they did. So I guess what stood out to me is the lack of crowd. I mean, that, let, let's bring it to that because I think that's the big, going to be a big story around here is there are going to be conferences uh, where they are allowing 15,000, 20,000 people in the stadium and uh, the Big Ten is not going to be one of those. Uh, they made that clear today. Now. Ronnie Green did mention, you know, this is a very fluid, dynamic situation. So I guess it's a deal where we've learned by now anything can change by the day or the week. But at this moment, Nebraska is accepting, which is probably smart to just let's not make this a deal breaker here. Let's go along and get on the field and play some games. But it's going to be limited at this moment to just family and staffers in Memorial Stadium in these Big Ten venues. and. Uh, you know, that's going to be strange because I, I think even even if it were just like 12,000 people you let into the stadium, that still makes a little bit of a difference. There's still a little bit of a vibe with the crowd there. Even when you're watching Notre Dame play this week, I kind of got that with some fans in the stands. And uh, there's going to be none of that. So it's going to be like Major League Baseball, which is very strange to watch without anybody truly be, uh, in the seats. What, what what would you right now want to see as some kind of uh, creative idea that Nebraska could do to incorporate fans? Are you are, are we going to see you know fifty thousand cardboard cutouts in Memorial Stadium? Are are we going to get that, or or what do you think they're going to come up with? Give me your best idea. Let's workshop it. There'll be a lot of cutouts um, in in the seats. I think. Um, there'll be a lot the, of put- the, the problem you have though is that they don't have seat backs. Oh, Are you yeah. gonna have you, you're <laughs> gonna have like the the rented seat backs with like grandpa's thing propped up against there? Well, the good thing is, and this people should come to Husker twenty four seven. I haven't even told you this, Bruns, but I'm gonna be talking to some folks in the athletic department about their innovative ideas or plans here this week. Um, <laughs> it's a hell of a teaser. Yeah, so uh, that's I'll bring that point up. I'll be like, what do you do without the without the seat backs? You know, if they don't have backs, how do you get those cutouts to stay? Um, so yeah, they might have to be a little more modern than just the the cardboard uh, characters that uh, 
the kid in Home Alone uses to make the robbers feel, think that there's people having a party. All right, let's jump now to the Big Ten East. Penn State, the Lions 24-7 podcast. Big news for Penn State on Wednesday. Star tied in Pat Fryermuth had reportedly like left school and had opted out. That He said that's not the case. In fact, he joined James Franklin uh, on a Zoom call and said he's he's in. So uh, Penn State, very excited. They're the number two team in the Big Ten East. Uh, if Ohio State doesn't get back some of the players who opted out, such as lineman Wyatt Davis, who would like to come back, and defensive back Sean Wade, who opted out on Monday, no word really yet from him on what he's going to do. If Ohio State doesn't get those guys back, Penn State could be the favorite or at least the the end of year winner of the Big Ten East. And so we're going to listen to uh, the Lions 24-7 podcast guys, Sean Fitz and Tyler Donahue, on how excited those players are to be playing football. It's a beautiful thing and certainly makes me appreciate what we were able to muster up here on the show and on the website the last few months. I've kind of let that sink in as the day has gone on. Now that the peripheral has expanded and all these different things we can write about regarding the team instead of the lack of a team, Really exciting stuff. No one is more excited, though, Sean, than the Penn State football players. You look across social media as the news was coming from the Big Ten, and it was one after the other, uh, freshmen all the way to seniors. It was a collective sigh of relief. It was a collective jubilation, and that's where you know my heart goes to, uh, just the fact that they've been kind of putting this work behind the scenes going through these practices, and you just wonder, how are they staying motivated? How is the coaching staff able to keep their eyes forward? Now they have a reason. Now they have a mission. And and if they kind of lost track of the vision over recent weeks, it has been reinforced. And James Franklin uh, has quite the crew to work with. And and we'll get to that in a second. Let's not forget, a lot of talent on this roster. A ton of talent on this roster. And that's one of the things I think James Franklin most disappointed about uh, when when the season was canceled in the first place. This would have been top to bottom his most talented roster. And I know you you had Saquon, you had Mike Kosicki, you had all these talented guys, Chris Godwin and Trace McSorley. You had these talented individuals, but in terms of uh, being deep, being talented, being uh, you know not worried about the one guy going down with an injury crippling your season – uh, this was this team. And I think that most of it's still intact. Micah Parsons not seeing him doing a U-turn. He signed with an agent last month. And, uh, you know, that he's, I, I just, I've seen speculation that you could petition. I just don't see that happening. But other than that, it seems like you've, you're going to, uh, to going to retain most of this roster. And that was a big question coming out of that uh, cancellation back in August. Would you be able to get these guys to stick around? Um, those guys on, on the, uh, peripheral of the draft boards or even the guys that had been around here for five years or or this was their fifth year would you be able to get those guys to stick around now it's interesting because you've got uh, pretty much your entire team back you've got uh, an opportunity to play guys without having to worry about the red shirt rules and things like that so you're going to see a lot of that stuff meshing I mean guys going up uh, Parker Washington Keandre Lambert all of a sudden you don't have to worry about that Uh, Theo Johnson a guy that's impressed so far on the other side of the ball, you got guys like Curtis Jacobs who can come in, especially without Parsons there, can come in, make a dent on the depth chart, and it's not going to cost you a year or anything like that. So I'm excited to see how they balance it. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think they're just going to be happy to be back out there. We've seen the the responses from the team, uh, you know, pr- uh, premium players that are out there, guys that, uh, you know, you're really kind of counting on if you want to take that next step. And, you know, if they get this started by the time, uh, what, October 24th weekend, I mean, y- 
those playoff rankings are going to include Big Ten teams. I mean, they kind of have to, and I think that's the uh, the impetus to get this going. So I'm I'm pretty happy all around to see football, to know what's going on, to see that they have the the safety protocols, the testing in place, and yeah, they're stringent. There will be a lot of things to to deal with over the next couple of months, but really to set this back uh, and get it back on track is is good for the Big Ten, good for Penn State football, and good for the overall all health of this program for the next couple of years because for a while there, you weren't sure what to expect. The College Football Daily will be right back. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Let's hop back to the Big Ten West, kind of go inside baseball here a little bit. It's been pretty difficult for reporters um, to, to strike a good balance here as far as speaking up for safety, but also wanting football. Uh, administrators of college programs have had to do the same thing. Uh, so I think you'll find this clip from the Illinois Inquirer by Jeremy Werner and Joey Wagner pretty interesting. You'd love to get in on those meetings, and I, I see on the Big Ten Network, you know, Alvarez, Barber, Warren, Jim Phillips are, are all on this call. I guess we'll learn more from them as well, but uh, I think it was a confluence of a lot of things, right? I think it was a confluence of they do have more information. They do feel safer to play, but boy, there was a lot of pressure and a lot of blowback that I, I think Warren originally thought that not just the Pac-12 would follow him, that all these other schools yes. would follow him and they'd all be on the same board. And they weren't. And, and it kind of showed that the NCAA um, doesn't have power over these autonomous conferences. And they're, they're kind of like, um, you know, states rather, different countries really, than, than all kind of on board the same thing. And uh, I think that was a misplay by him. But at the end of the day, um, I think the Big Ten didn't rush it like, like some of these other conferences did. Um, it's it just the messaging was really bad and and the unity was really bad it was, i completely agree i thought a lot i think that did you see the penn the, the penn state defensive lineman who tweeted yesterday and basically like you know, please stop until we know something and obviously we have jobs to do mm-hmm. but I've, I've thought a lot about that really since october 6th 7th 8th uh, when all of this started to really these are still 18 to 22 23 year old kids Imagine being in your apartment, in your dorm, or and you, you get through Twitter, and it's just rumor after rumor after rumor. And all of a sudden, I think we talked about this, Jeremy. All of a sudden, the thing that you've done for 15 years of your life, the thing that you hope to do for the next 15 years of your life, it's kind of in flux. And just the push and the pull, and the that had to be tough. I mean, just I, I know this is this is a little bit off track, but think about that as, as when you were 18 or 22 and, and this is something you've done forever. And 
all of a sudden one day it's here, one day it's not, and, and one day it's coming back and one day it's not. And, you know, I, I know Lovey and Josh were being as transparent as they possibly could with these guys, but there's short of those guys being on a live stream every minute into these guys' apartment, you're going to have a gap of, of information relaying. And man, it's just, I, I keep coming back to that. And it just had to be really, really a tough thing to process as you deal with all of this. Well, and it was, I mean, think about, man, was it two and a half months ago? Not even, um, Milo Eifler is one of the big voices of players being like, hey, is, are, is this safe? Like, are, are we sure we should be doing this? And then you see him and some other players tweeting out, we want to play, right? I, I believe me, I, I, maybe Milo didn't, but you've seen a lot of players who had questions, whether it was Kendrick Green or Jake Hansen, and I think all those guys obviously said they want to play, but they had big questions about whether it was safe, and then they're leading the charge to try and get it back. So obviously this is it was confusing for all of us, and we got we got to remember these people leading the Big Ten are are human too, right? Like they they don't know everything about this, and we're all it's trying to fluid, worry about. It. Yeah, we're all trying to figure this thing out, and it was messy. Um, so I, I think we all kind of struggled with this, and even even myself, it's like I was happy training camp started originally, and I'm like, should they be doing this? Is this the right <laughs> thing? Um, would I go to games? Is that the right thing for me to do? Um, but I think we feel a little bit better seven weeks later about how to handle this stuff. And I, I think another thing with this is that I, I thought those same things and it's well, how loud do I want to say this? Right. I mean, you know, should they be playing? Should they not? And you think, Oh boy, if I say this too loud and suddenly you're rooting against well, it. And then imagine you're not a player. Here's the thing, Joey. I, I feel like everyone wants you to have that take. Like, are you for football coming back? Or are you against it? And it was more just like, I just got questions is that okay? Is it okay to be like, man, I don't know if this is the best thing, but I would like it to happen. Can we find a way to, to make this? And and that's where, I mean, you'll get me on a soapbox about this country right now, but it's like, you have to pick one side or the other and you can't just have questions and be like, let's, let's think about this for a second, right? Like, is this the best thing to do? I want this, but to do it safely, um, can we get better ways of doing this? You know, you know what I mean. Like, it just feels like you got to pick a side, uh, and you can't have questions about either side, right? And that's you know, our, that's our job. You mentioned Milo, and and however many months ago that was now, and he sent that tweet, and we we chatted with him on Zoom. Read the responses to that tweet if you can. I, I mean, it is just people saying, you know, to the extent of if. You're, you're scared stay home or it's like whoa 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 he's not listen just just listen yes. he, he just has questions and and i don't mean to, to single milo out but it, it's a good example of what you what you talked about is allow you know allow people to ask questions and, and then let them kind of formulate their opinion we don't have that right now and and it's, it's just a very tough spot well and, and you think of like the parents who wanted to play or you think of you know, I know you talk to high school football coaches and they're huge questions for J.B. Pritzker and their criticism, which I think is deserved, right? I think, you know, they're not just heartless and just don't care about their kids' health. They care about their kids having the opportunity. They care about their kids having mental health right now. So there, there's there's a way to middle ground this. Like we can come together and come up with better ideas. And ultimately, I think the Big Ten did that, even if it was really publicly messy. Thanks, guys. One of the things with the Big Ten and its return to play is that these medical guidelines could prove pretty challenging to get your full 8 plus 1 
games and even with daily testing. So I don't want to leave that as a forgotten storyline. So we're going to go to the Swarmcast podcast, which covers the Iowa Hawkeyes, and hear what David Eicholt and Sean Bach have to say about that. I know some people are upset about the Big Ten's decision, but we aren't going to really acknowledge them. But I'll say this, overlooking the medical guidelines, Sean, just with what the Big Ten has proposed and what they're planning to adopt, I mean, it's a fairly thorough and fairly, I'd say, pretty strict plan of what teams are going to have to abide by. Um, we'll, we'll have more information on HawkeyeInsider.com for the specifics. But basically, it means there's going to be daily testing starting September 30th. Uh, it's the daily rapid testing. And here's, here's the big thing, right? The earliest an athlete can return to game competition is 21 days following a COVID-19 positive diagnosis. With that being said, I, I believe there is an important distinction as to why it's not 14. It's 14 for the COVID, and I believe the next seven days it's a uh, transition period uh, they'll do like a heart scan for, like you said, the myocarditis. So that's why it's 21 uh, instead of 14. I think that's a good step. Uh, but look, the Big Ten starting October 23rd and 24th, it's a risky bet, but I understand why they did that. I remember, there was a lot of talks for the most part. Um, that was going to start October 16th or 17th. I started hearing last night that they could potentially push it another week. And the reason being, uh, to give players and the coaches more time to just prepare for the season because I, you know, I don't think people realize not how out of shape these guys are, but they're far from playing condition right now, Sean. I mean, uh, I, I was told by a source close uh, to the program that there were multiple players throwing up uh, just in, the, in a light workout returning. And remember, they were quarantined for eight days, eight, nine days. Um, they haven't been in of padded practice since August 10th, because remember they canceled practice August 11th, um, just with all of the unknowns. So look, I, I think 38 days till Iowa kick off, assuming they play Saturday. I think that that's a good amount of time given the circumstances, um, before, you know, just for the big 10 to be able to return play and for Iowa to be ready to play. And I know a lot of people are wondering about opt-outs and stuff. We'll update you as the time comes. There have been no signs that Emir Smith-Marset, Tyler Goodson, Tyrone Tracy, three of Iowa's biggest playmakers, have basically already tweeted out hype videos and how excited they already are um, for the season. So it, it, it's good to see that there will be football in kink this fall. There will be no fans. That's a conference-wide decision. that I believe that will not be revisited Uh but I mean, Sean, there's just, it's just a bunch of information, but it, it, it did feel really weird watching the big 12 and the ACC play. And I, I think Shaka Tony, the defensive end for Penn state summed it up pretty well yesterday when all the reports were surfacing that there was going to be a big 10 season. He just said, guys, just let the big 10 announce it. I mean, it's draining on these men, on the mental health aspects of the players. And I think that's an excellent point. You got to think about from a player's perspective, just how drained they've been throughout this entire process. What I'll say is this, Sean, and to everybody else listening, I'm happy for the fans. I'm happy for society in the Big Ten country that they'll be able to watch football. Because I, I think it's just that kind of cultural break that a lot of people needed. And I know there are still some people wary about playing football uh, in a pandemic. But, look, th there's a lot of factors that go into this. I really don't think it's an open-shut thing. 
but I'm absolutely thrilled for the players. I think of guys like Keith, think of Keith Duncan. I mean, his story of his career, being a hero as a freshman, um, getting benched for two years, coming back, having a record-breaking season. He gets a proper, quote-unquote, proper senior season. Emir Smith-Marset will be one of the more memorable playmakers at wide receiver in the Kirk Ferentz era. He gets his final season. And these guys now have a chance to earn some major money, and they work hard 12 months of the year to get a handful of Saturdays to play the game they love. And I'm just – I'm so happy for the, for them and that they'll be able to do that or at least be given the opportunity, barring unforeseen circumstances, actually happen. Uh, I, I think it's a good thing for just just the landscape of just the Midwest and, and people who have something to look forward to, Sean, because – I think throughout this entire thing, and, and you know, I want your perspective on this too, I feel like a big downer for some people is there's just been nothing to really look forward to besides the end of the pandemic. And now there's at least, for Iowa fans, now there's Iowa football they can look forward to uh, every Saturday for at least two months. Right, yeah, there's it's definitely a sign of hope. I think it's a sign of things coming back to normalcy too. I mean – this team's got a lot of upside, a lot of potential. Um, and, you know, there's just – there's a lot to be excited about now. I mean, obviously, we – once there's a uh, – <laughs> once I see a depth chart and once I see a schedule, I'll be I'll be really happy because that will give us a lot of stuff to write about. But I think, too, just looking at the fans and just, like, getting together. I mean, even watching football the other day, just, like, with a big group of friends and the NFL, too, like, was just was just really cool to see because that stuff kind of brings people together. Um, and a lot of this stuff going on in our world um, has kind of been tearing a lot of people apart. And just to have this back, like, that's such – that's a really good time for just the way that – just the way society can kind of deal with each other. And it's actually nice for us, Sean, because, I mean, selfishly I'm ecstatic because it's been not difficult to cover Iowa sports with no sports, but you know what? After, what, five months it just kind of takes a toll on you to some extent. Uh, yeah, like so, I've been scraping the bottom a little bit as far as recruiting goes. Not gonna lie, it's been it's been a difficult time for all of us. Um, and there was a question here too. If spent like you mentioned, uh, if Spencer Petrus goes out, heaven forbid, with COVID, who goes in? And if they do well, does Petrus start again? Alex Padilla probably start. Yeah, I'd say it's Padilla. I I think it'll be interesting. Maybe maybe see Deuce Hogan too here or there. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I think I think Padilla is probably the safe bet, but I mean, Deuce could be a guy that potentially fills in too. But I think you got to go off experience here, and I think Padilla is the guy. And as we're recording this, Barry Alvarez is still meeting with the media. So before I get to my answer on Petrus, uh, Barry Alvarez has said the Big Ten will be flexible in its scheduling. Fox has mentioned Friday games and even Monday games if they need to. So Monday night Big Ten football, Tuesday matching, forget about it. It's Big Ten Monday. It's Big Monday. Uh, That's the second best best thing to matching. Okay, and last one, Zach Shaw and Steve Lorenz on Wolverine 24-7, part of the Michigan Insider podcast. The question you've all been waiting for, how does this affect the college football playoff? And even the NFL draft, let's listen in. I was curious about this because I, I have had some people reach out to me and ask, like, 
will this be an asterisk season or or someone even asked like what's the point now that's maybe a discussion uh a different kind of discussion but i think you're right you play nine power five teams a lot of teams that make the playoffs don't even play that many here they or they play eight or nine and so it's uh to me i think it's a full season now obviously the records are going to look a little worse across the board because teams aren't scheduling a couple slam dunk non-conference games but if you look at Michigan's season this year it was going to be uh, initially at the you know before any of this it was going to be a road game at Washington and then nine Big Ten games well and and then Arkansas State and and Ball State I think yep and so um this isn't that different. Now there's fewer games, so there will be fewer wins, presumably. There might even be uh, one or two less losses as well. We'll see how the schedule shakes out. But yeah, to me, I thought an eight-game Big Ten season was probably fair, and I think a nine-game helps improve uh, the the value of the season. I'm sure there'll be coaches around the country, and we can probably guess which ones that will say something along the lines of well the big Ten's playing fewer games you know we're playing 11 games or 10 games you know we have a tougher road to it but but at the same time i think i think college football the playoff selection committee i think they'd have a really hard time if there was a one loss big 10 team championship team sure i think they'd have a really hard time saying no they don't deserve to go to the playoff because they played one or two fewer games. I, I it's going to be an interesting year. I think I think we're all kind of resigned that there's probably going to be some frustration somewhere in regards to the season. But but yeah, if there's a if there's an eight and one Big Ten champion, I, I think I think I, I'd have a hard time saying they couldn't be invited in. Uh, right. I mean, provided yeah. provided. I don't know other four other and again you got to remember the Pac-12 isn't a factor right now either, right? So that that does, you know, I think the the ones that you're going to see that are angry are like these fringe contender like SEC ACC schools that are thinking, oh, you know, this could be Notre Dame's, the Georgias, yeah, yep, yeah, we yep. can we can we can name names here, yeah, um, <laughs> or or you know if if oh I think the the big issue will be if Oklahoma goes they only have one loss and Ohio state wins and only has one loss. That might be maybe where there's uh, intrigue, but, but at the same time, it's, I, I don't think it'll be different just because the big 10 plays one. Cause again, it's still nine power five opponents, right. you know, the, all the sec teams that have Arkansas on their schedule have a pretty much the identical schedule. No disagreement. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think I think it's a it's a it's still a valuable season. I think it's a legitimate season as far as the timeline. Uh, this is probably the best case scenario for for these Big Ten teams that are hoping. Well, best case under the new circumstances in terms of they already made the decision uh, because I think this will keep a few players on board, and that's kind of our next question. We don't want to speculate a ton, but we can kind of speak vaguely and the players who have actually met with reporters I can speak to what they said but I think a fall season is better than a winter season and better than a spring season in terms of potential draft picks 
playing. I think that's that's pretty makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I think uh, Pay is someone who talked about initially. He was like, I don't know if I'd do a spring season because you know you have maybe the combine's more valuable to me, or maybe um, you know I don't want to play. You know, if you if you play a sixteen game NFL season and an eight game spring season, that's twenty four games in one year, not counting the potential for playoffs and things like that. So, I think a fall season's much more appeasable to a potential NFL draft pick. In, in that, yeah, I mean, this really doesn't change. They they start later, but it, they don't end the season later. So, I think that's significant. Um, you know, I know from talking to these players at, at the protests and in, in press conferences uh, would think this increases. I'm not going to ever speak in absolutes increases the odds of Aiden Hutchinson, Carlo Kemp and Quiddy pay kind of joining together for one more, one more run together. Uh, I mean, camera grown basically tweeted that he's playing about five, 10 minutes ago. Um, you know, as far as I know, we get asked a lot about Jalen Mayfield, Ambry Thomas. I would, I would kind of, I would not get your hopes up for that. Uh, just because the semester has started, they do have to be enrolled in school to, to, um, to play in the season. And then, and then we don't know officially, but my understanding is that they probably didn't declare to go pro and then not sign with an agent. My, my hunch is that they did. And so there would have to be some sort of NCAA loophole where if they didn't one, if they took benefits just by the, by the rules of the NCAA, then they are professional athletes and no longer eligible for the NCAA. But then if they didn't take benefits, there'd probably be have to have to be some loophole or some, some legal fight. So my guess again, you know, not going to say anything is a done deal, but my guess is that those two are just, are gone. I'm trying to think. Yeah. You got, I mean, yeah. Nico yeah. Collins. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not sure. Right. So not for sure. Sure. Yet. But um, here's the thing. I was like, I was wondering like, why does the agent like, this is such an extenuating circumstance. You don't, I mean, I guess you can't unsign a, an agent contract. I suppose I just, it's like, you know, cause this looked like spring at best you know, two or three weeks ago, you can't blame guys like Thomas and Mayfield for taking the action that they took. You know, it's just like you you think they'd there'd be some kind of loophole. I mean, you're already seeing Pat Fryermuth at Penn State who had said he was opting out. It his based on a couple of tweets I saw, uh looks like he's opting back in, which again, he there probably may not have been an agent involved there yet, right? But but still it's like you know, I just if if Jalen Mayfield and I'm not saying these guys are going to come back. I don't expect either of them to. But if they, you know, if they really did want to, you'd think they'd work out some kind of way for these guys to come back and play again. But like I said, might not might be all for naught. I just uh, it's just something I, you know, it's like I understand the agent rule, but this is like a totally totally different situation than what you know the normal uh, what a normal declaration slash agent signing would be. So, um, but yeah, I mean, either way, I think fans got to get prep themselves for the fact that they'll probably be without a few of the top guys that we expected them to have on the field this year okay long podcast if you're here with me all the way to the end we appreciate it uh maybe i'll just tell you now leave us a five-star rating on apple podcast 
We're having a lot of fun bringing you the day's college football news here on the College Football Daily. Our producer, Tony Levitt, did a great job chopping up this show, um, and we love your continued support. All right, we'll get out of here. We'll see you soon. Talk to you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.